Is this a problem within our, not within our stars, but within ourselves? Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. Due to scheduling conflicts, Cecil and Peter are not able to make it this week, so the little pixie from Los Angeles, Sarah Hanley, is sitting in. I am a figment of your imagination. Actually, if you were a figment of my imagination, then would I know you're a figment of my imagination? Because aren't figments of the imagination things that you don't know are figments of the ima- imagination? Then, therefore, you telling me that proves you're not? Mm, or maybe this is a dream within a dream. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E. 50% off of a single item, you'll get a free sex swing, which, you know, try not crushing your balls, but whatever. To top it off, you get free shipping, and you get a special toy, and you get a special toy for her on top of all that. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So with that out of the way, I want to talk about like what's going on. This is not a new thing. So when I say in Hollywood, I don't necessarily mean in Hollywood. Every year, we're seeing more and more bad movies come out. More and more meh movies. Would I be remiss in saying that everyone wants to go out and they want to put their best foot forward and they want to make the best movie possible? Does that make it better or worse that there are so many bad ones out there? Ah, that is a very difficult question. It doesn't seem it, but there are some movies that are just sausage. It's a sausage so that people can get uh, hours in. It's sausage so that people can pay alimony. It's sausage so that they can have directing credits, and then maybe they can use that towards the next thing, as long as people aren't looking too closely at that the last movie they made was Talking Dog number 36, It Talks More. I'm talking more like the last two Hellraiser placeholders, because these last two placeholders are exactly that. Dimension didn't care what they were. To retain the rights to the franchise, because they've been trying to make a remake for close to a decade now that keeps getting stalled, to retain the rights, every year they have to make a Hellraiser movie. These movies are just sh** out. There's no effort put towards them. They look like garbage, they play like garbage, and the studios don't care. Now, I don't know that the directors don't care. Maybe they just can't make something better. When you've got something like one of these cash-ins, or or that new Children of the Corn movie that nobody asked for, nobody's looking forward to, an interview with one of the cast members indicated no one on set was all that excited about, why make it? I, I Leaving aside the legal aspect, if you were tasked right now, if someone came up to you and said, Sarah, we have a Hellraiser movie, we have to get out, it has to hit DVD in two months, you need to start production right now. This is going to be your movie. Would you not at least try to make something good? Yeah, of course I'd try. I would scale it the f*** down, but I would I would try. I would at least want to make a, a Corman Fantastic Four. Nobody wants to make direct to Netflix a uh, horror movie that just has the title of something that everyone knows. Oh, you saw Cloverfield Paradox, I guess, then. <laughs> 
Well, okay, Cloverfield Paradox is another perfect example. We'll get back to Hellraiser in a minute. But, like, Cloverfield Paradox just came out. This movie was originally called Cloverfield the God Particle. It was delayed four times. Went over $30 million over budget. Once you've seen the movie, you can see the entire last 30 minutes are clearly rewrites and reshoots. The title was changed, and it was dropped, this was meant to be theatrical, onto Netflix with absolutely no promotion outside of it drops in 90 minutes. You have to kind of look at that and go, why did you even make the movie then? Clearly, there were so many problems. You just ask yourself, what was the point? I mean, it makes nobody happy at that point. Nobody's happy. Sometimes you have to put it out so that you can get past it. And unfortunately that, that's something that we, we see in just, not just in movies, but we see it in books, we see it in video games, we see it in video games a lot. Going to that as a, as a reference, when one is coming out and they don't allow the critics to view it or to put out a review about it before it comes out, that is such a red flag. That is, we want you to just be feeling hype. We don't want you to think about this. We don't want you to think, hey, how come you don't want me to have a second opinion before I put my money down on this? Let's go back to, like, the Hellraisers then. Now, the new, the new film actually looks like there was a little bit of effort put in there. The, the, the This new Hellraiser movie seems to, besides being just a cash-in, seems to be made for Hellraiser fans. And really, if you've never seen a Hellraiser movie, go into this go- knowing, if you've never seen a Hellraiser movie, you will not like this. But at the same time, you go, this is a really, really terrible Hellraiser movie. Whereas the one before it, you just kind of went, you're not not even trying are you this was literally a placeholder and that's all it was i'm sure you've worked on movies sarah where the crew knows they're making a dog and they're not putting their best effort forward it depends who is uh who's running it it, because it the enthusiasm the 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 emotions that the the this is important or I'm just doing this to pay off a boat. You know, that is felt that you can't fake that. Everyone knows if, uh, if you actually have your heart into it, which makes it kind of depressing. If, if you're working on something and you know that no one is going to care about this, it's you, you, you can make something that's meant to be throw away and make it special it just takes extra effort and and you you can't sustain that just yourself as an individual crew person it it, it has to be a group effort it's it's a monumental task costs the production company nothing except for caring about the damn thing i'm not trying to say all the people who make you know these hellraiser cash-ins and the children of the corn and all that that they don't care because joe bob briggs in one of his satire books that he wrote in the either late 80s or early 90s where he was talking about how you know these people they go to film school and they've got these high-minded ideals these are the people who study antonioni movies and all this these are the people who are like i'm going to make the next piece of art and then they can't get work, they can't get work, they can't get work. But you're offered Cannibals versus the Piranha Women of the Amazon 37, and you go, yeah, I'll direct that. I mean, yeah, it, it, but sometimes is it just, I need work? It It's that. 
but also the people who think that they're auteurs, the people who think that they're going to be the the next Orson Welles. A lot of the times they will think that they are the main crux and the person who is solely responsible for it. And unfortunately, when you do that, you don't realize that making a movie is a team sport. You need everyone working together. So if you're going to grab the paycheck for, you know, lobster women against uh, the forces of Mars 39 and you're just I don't care. Let's just get this shot. I, d- I don't even set up that, you know, just shoot it one take. Boom. We're going on. Everyone's going to realize that you're an asshole. You shouldn't be there. Unfortunately, they're Job security for that project is on the line, so they will keep their heads down and they will just crank it out for you. It's such a small town. Unless you are the nephew of a studio head, people just are not going to call you for the next movie. I don't care if it's Lobster Woman number 40. They will find another out-of-work person who can sit in a chair. Do you think sometimes it comes down to just being demoralized? For instance, Rob Zombie has this hilarious hilarious interview he did on Fox News where he was talking about working on CSI Miami. He went in to do his CSI Miami episode with such such vigor. You know, he wanted to do this. This was his mom's favorite show. So when he was offered CSI Miami, he's like, I'm going to direct this. You know, my mom is going to finally be proud of me. And he said it was the worst three weeks of his professional life. And he said it got to the point where, and in the last couple of days of shooting, he said literally, they would be like, how's that look, Rob? And he would barely look up monitor and go, I don't care. Sounds like he did not do any research before taking the job because he just saw this is the show that my mom likes. And so it's very odd to say about someone like that, but he was all friggin' starry eyed and, and this is going to be so much fun. And he does not come from a television background. So maybe if he came from, maybe if he had more experience in the area, it, cause it's a, a different, uh, speed. It's arguably the most mainstream you, thing he's ever done too. Well, the, there's that. But the way that you direct a movie and the way that you direct a television show, it's not just it's a lot shorter amount of time. If you're going into a part of the field that you don't understand, it, at least talk to people who have worked it before. Talk to other people who have directed that show or, or television itself. I, I feel sympathy for the guy. He didn't know what he was getting into, but it's it's good advice. Do you think part of it is th- th- there's this weird thing where there there are so many middle of the road movies made, like like that new Hellraiser movie. It's not good, but it's not awful either. It's just just so bland and middle of the road that you can kind of you kind of ask yourself the director clearly he wanted to make a good hellraiser movie but he didn't whereas the previous one he didn't give a shit he just shit this thing out you've got so many middle of the road movies because i think it's one thing when you make a bad movie i mean when you make a spectacularly bad movie that's different and i think somehow more honest than when you make a bland forgettable lifetime style movie like there was that movie i can't remember who directed it that just came out this last year where tommy lee Jones and Morgan Freeman are at the rest home and Renee Russo is a hit woman trying to kill them. The whole movie feels like, why is this in theaters? This this is this is a lifetime movie with an A-list cast. It's just it's so middle of the road. I literally at this moment, unless I look it up, I can't remember the fucking title, Sarah. You are the head 
of a studio. You want to say that you've put out, let's say, 10 movies this year, and one of them is going to be your your big movie. It's either going to be a blockbuster or it's going to be Oscar bait or it's uh, going to be a movie that you're trying to go for the really young people, which will also drag the adults, so you're going to get the crossover there. The other nine have to split up the rest of the money. And the safest thing that you can do is make a middle of the road, isn't going to offend people, isn't going to surprise people, is going to be exactly what they were expecting movie. So that's when you have Morgan Freeman and two other people that have recognizable names. You're like, yes, baby boomers will come to this. In five years, you'll start to go for the next generation and you'll have the older actors of that spectrum. They're doing it because it's guaranteed money. It's not going to have any longevity. The actors aren't even going to remember doing it after they've done it. They're going to cash the check and then they're going to go on to whatever the next movie is. It's going to make you more money than you put in. That's that's your nice cushion. If your big movie doesn't do spectacularly, at least you have the other nine just meh movies to, to keep you going. What is the bigger crime of cinema? Making a bad movie or making a meh movie? I'd say making a meh movie, and you can throw a lot of sequels into there because it already has the guaranteed audience. You can put the the rehashes and remakes of older movies. Uh, we did that a lot back in the aughts when we were just remaking foreign movies because Americans are too stupid to realize this movie was just out two years ago in Czechoslovakia. As long as you have at least two names that are recognizable, enough of the music that just keeps you in a, in a nice kind of zombified mood where you're like, ah, huh, this is pleasant. I'm in here for two hours and I'm just staring at lights on a screen. No one's going to complain because you're not asking them to think. You're not challenging them. You're, you are asking nothing of the audience except obedience and their credit card. What about when a movie is so spectacularly wrong-headed? Now, I'm not talking bad. I'm not talking a Tommy Wiseau film. I'm not talking about Ed Wood. I'm talking about a movie that's so spectacularly bad. And I'm talking big-budget stuff here, not, not direct-to-video, that you just have to ask yourself, how did no one step in? Like a Transformers The Last Night or an Alien Covenant, where you just have to ask, was there no oversight? Thankfully, the audiences are starting to rebel. Because, you know, people always complained about the Transformers movies, but they made money until the last one. People always complained about how brainless the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are until the last one, which lost money. People always complain about how bad the Ridley Scott Alien stuff is until the last one, which lost money. Are we at a watershed point where something like Transformers The Last Night or Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales might finally be going away because the audience is finally going away? You lovely, 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 sweet summer child. They're not going to go away. They're just going to go into hibernation. Because the problem, please don't take this the wrong way, but the problem isn't the franchises themselves. Someone who is a different director and probably a different studio entirely could take the concept and make it work. We've seen the opposite happen when someone takes an older movie and they redo it and it's just absolute crap. But it can happen in reverse in this reality. The problem with those is the same problem that you have with name recent Will Smith movie here. 
you know, Vampire in Brooklyn. These are movies that you had one person who so wanted to have blank up there on the screen. And blank was usually their ego. And uh, and as long as no one was going to tell them no, as long as they had the backing of the studio, as long as uh, as they were popular enough to get away with it, sometimes those movies are also self-funded. So they're also the producer. You're not going to tell the producer and the main star no. The audience is also part of the problem. Now, obviously, what I consider a bad movie, because I am I have a much higher threshold, what I consider a bad movie is not the same as what the audience, the general audience, considers a bad movie. On the other hand, you have stuff like that where the audience wants a movie to be bad. You have, like, like when Bright came out. Bright is so shockingly wrong-headed, so shockingly bad. People are loving it for how stupidly bad Bright is, to the point where they're greenlighting a sequel because apparently Max Landis and Will Smith don't understand, no, people aren't enjoying Bright for what you guys did. They're enjoying it because of how hard Bright falls on its face. You guys are totally not getting this. Isn't that part of the audience's fault? I will give the audience a pass on this one only because it was greenlit for a sequel before it ever came out. So it it does not help that so many people are watching this. And it some people are watching it thoughtfully, taking down all of the really strange social messaging shit that he's put in that Which movie. Which is all wrong-headed and idiotic because it doesn't make any... So if orcs existed since the beginning of time... See, like, in Alien Nation... When the newcomers came down, it was, it only been a couple of years since that ship crashed. So it makes sense how they're still integrating into society. In Bright, this has always been like this. But then there are references to racial issues with black people and Latinos. So, so magic has always existed, but the Alamo still happened and there's still people that call Latinos beaners. Now elves are, are a cipher for Jews, but Jews still exist in this world and you kind of like you really didn't think this through did you you saw alienation and said well it worked there and you forgot why it worked in alienation yes it, it helps that the the aliens came down very recently in alienation so it was believable that he was the first of the aliens to become a police officer if the orcs have been around since time immemorial they've had an integrated society, at least to some point, for a long time. Why is he the first orc cop? And if he is the, if he's the first orc cop, and so we're led to believe that this is his story, why is Will Smith the special? I'm, I'm gonna spoil it for you. Will Smith is the magical special who has the secret power because he is Will Smith. Also, okay, there's a throwaway line earlier on. Fairy lives don't matter today. So that's obviously a play on Black Lives Matter. So is there some movement about fairies being abused by the police. So, so then does Black Lives Matter still exist in this universe? You really didn't think this through, did you, Max Landis? Or is it Max Landis thinking that he's clever and being cute today and he would throw that in and not even remember that it was in the script? Well, with Max Landis, hubris is a big thing because Max Landis is one of the least talented screenwriters out there who, if you hear him tell it, he's an unrequited genius and all you motherfuckers just keep standing in his way. Max Landis is a textbook example of the nepotism of Hollywood. He only gets work because of his last name and not because of the talent in his writing. 
again, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this on the audience. You have the audience that wants a movie to be bad. The fact that the room is champion as an enjoyable movie when it's inept on every level, isn't that part of the problem? The room is an unenjoyable film. It's boring. It's so inept. I don't understand how people get this whole, I'm loving it because of how bad it is, man, concept. I don't get it. The room, the birdemic, movies like this, they are bad and they should not be rewarded for being inept. Yeah, I I will admit I have not seen The Room. I have not seen Birdemic. I have not seen Birdemic 2 uh, except for clips, though I have heard that unfortunately, and this does happen, I think that you'll agree, Josh, the people who made Birdemic made an incompetent film. I'd, I'd, I'd say that the the only only kind of neat part every once in a while is just because they shot it in Hollywood. So I'm like, oh, I know where that is. I know where that is. That's not, that does not make a movie. Unfortunately, with the second one, they found out why people liked the movie and then they pumped that up. And uh, if you have an incompetent movie, but done... With heart. Honestly... Yes, if if you if you do it from the bottom of of what whatever's in you and you and you scrape the money together, you know, sometimes it's legally, sometimes it's Ill- illegally. It happens a lot here. And and you put it out and then you you let people honestly tell you what they think of it. You have accomplished something. It could be the worst piece of crap ever, but at least you have made a thing. I'm sorry, I, I almost called it art, but I've seen things that are hey, not. Okay, um, it, it, it's kind of like Manos to Hands of Fate. Okay, that movie is fun on Mystery Science Theater. I grant you that. But there are people who they, they hold screenings of the movie, and and it's like no, this movie is inept. It's, you should not be rewarding bad filmmaking. That's the same reason I get so many people that love the first couple Transformers movies. They're so bad, they're so much fun. No! We're Weirdly enough, this is the only art form where you can completely screw up and people love you for it. Like, if you go out to a restaurant and your meal is completely f***ed up, you're not going to go, I love this meal because of how poorly cooked this steak is. You don't do that. You shouldn't do that for movies either. Unfortunately, movies and music to an extent, it's partially what's put out there and then it's all also partially how the audience accepts it it's why some movies they'll stay relevant for decades and some of them you can't even watch them anymore because there's just something to 70s about it there's something to 40s about it that it just doesn't relate to anymore have you ever tried to sit through that post 2000s Oh yeah, that that was awkward when it came out. Let's be honest. I mean, that that that's like the friggin' emoji movie that just came out last year. Yeah, that's gonna last. Yeah, that's gonna have lasting impact. But what about when you have to know? I don't mean like in, in an Alien Covenant sort of way, where I believe Ridley Scott honestly thought he was making a great movie. It just was a wrong-headed decision. But when you have a director just make such a boneheaded decision that you you go. No, there's no way you can think this is going to work. Like, now we haven't seen the movie yet because only the trailers come out, but like Battle Angel Alita. Sorry, Alita Battle Angel as the title is now. With the, with the giant <laughs> anime eye, the anime and manga eyes, and you just go, what the fuck, Rodriguez? Not only is it being mocked mercilessly, it's going to continue to be mocked mercilessly. I don't care how you explain it in the movie, that is a 
boneheadedly bad decision. And I've, I've seen him in an interview championing, we are the first people to ever bring live action true to manga to the screen. And you ask yourself, are you fucking serious? And I like Rod, I like yeah. Robert Rodriguez. I think he's a great director. And this, I don't understand why. I mean, seriously, even if you, the movie looks like it could otherwise just be a middle of the road cyberpunk manga. Those giant anime eyes are so, are, are so distractingly stupid that it's almost like, like he's going into this going, let's see if we can hit an iceberg with this bitch. Maybe someone did cut the trailer regular and they said we need a hook we have nothing here and then they 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 saw ghost in the shell and they said what's the one trick they didn't do with this let's make the eyes just uncomfortably large and, you know larger than that chick from uh, guardians of the galaxy 2 and we we won't do it with everyone because then you'll really notice and it won't make any damn sense if you're going to do it with one you do it with all of them you need to have an inner logic to your your universe otherwise why am i buying this not just that speaking of like a middle of the road movie to a bad movie you, you you've got a vision you got a director who has a vision and maybe they they don't have the most original idea but they've got some interesting ideas but they can't pull it off should you make them the movie and make end up making a bad movie for structural reasons for money reasons like i recently saw one it was, it was a cyberpunk movie based it was like the gene trade or something like that the whole movie is shot on green screen and it looks like it's shot on green screen or or even uh albert pune made and in the entire sequel to streets of fire shot on a green screen and i'm not talking sky captain on the world of tomorrow era green screen i'm talking nostalgia critic green screen professional released on dvd movie you ask yourself i know how snobbish this i know how snobbish this sounds i really do but if you can't do it right or aren't you just half-assing it otherwise See, I, I I was gonna I was gonna start with one thing, but now you, you you've sagged into another. If someone, I don't think it's wrong for a person to make a movie with all of your ideas, but not having the experience, not having the funding, but to to make the movie so that not only can you work on those ideas because you can always use them in another movie afterwards, but also to get the tools that you will need when you make the next movie, which will hopefully be bigger. And the next movie, which, you know, you, you, you'll you'll become a, a person who knows what they're doing, knows what their ideas are, knows how to put those ideas onto film. When you have someone who has done this before, they have to backtrack all the way down to green sheet, a background that you've overlaid with pictures. <sighs> That's tough. I. It could be that he just didn't have the funding. I. At, then at you that don't point, make the I, fucking movie. You know, look, look I, sir. Lloyd Kaufman has this thing. Budget should never stand in the way of your dream. He, he says, if you've got ten million dollars, if you've got ten thousand dollars, if you've got ten dollars, you should make your movie. And I'm like, Lloyd, I love you, but that is horseshit. Well, yet you you have to scale the movie appropriately. What if you don't have the money? But you do have time and maybe you do have people who will help you on it. Then you can make an animatic. You could make an animation. It, it, there are things that you can do where you do not need the sets, but you can get your story across. It, you, you, you can do the, the backdoor shit that I've seen so many times and it, it degrades 
the art form, but I understand. I hate that sentence, but I said it. Where you take your movie and pay someone to make it into a comic book. And then you bring your comic book to the really dumb people who have the money. And that's how you get the money for your movie. How many times have we seen someone pull that trick off, Josh? It works. It does. But at the same time, you, you, you have, you have this stuff where people are like, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. Just making a movie is art. And I'm like, no. If you take a shit in a pizza box, you can call it art, but it's really just shit in a pizza box. That's what these, that's what a movie like Road to Hell is. It's so bad, you can't watch it. I dare anyone to sit through Road to Hell. The green screen, it, it's a product. Yeah. I would rather not have my movie made ineptly than make it for the sake of making it. You know I'm currently, I've got a movie, you're you're involved because you co-created the character. I am currently writing. I will not make this movie for less than what it needs to be made on. I'm not going to make this movie on $10,000 and shot on a green screen just to make the movie. I, I refuse to let my ideas go out ineptly. Now, mistakes can happen happen there are you know the best intentions best intentions movies get f***ed up that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about you know you're making a bad movie and you're making it anyway the room nobody thought tommy wiseau was going to be making a good movie he made a piece of shit but he made it honestly and you, you just look at this and go why do you insist on making a movie you can't afford to make there is a difference between if you have a random seed in your hand, and you're like, well, seeds need dirt. Seeds need water. I have a flower box. I'm going to put it in there, and I'm going to water it, and I'm going to see what happens. That's honestly just going in, jumping into a movie. You have an idea. You have, you have a crew. Let's put on a show, and you don't know what's going to happen. Knowing that you have a crap movie before you've even started, that you're going to make a movie just so that you can hold on to a contract, so that you can... Hold on to the ability to hold on to the rights because you don't want somebody else to have it because then someone else will have it. That's like taking a sequoia seed. You're throwing it into that flower box. Initially, everything's going to look okay, but then you have something that's a 100 feet tall growing out the side of your apartment. You have this middle of the road. There are so many. Do you realize how many movies come out every year, even to this day, that nobody watches, nobody sees. You only ever hear about the movies that are really, really good or the movies that are really, really bad. And I honestly think making a middle-of-the-road forgettable, meh, film is worse than making a bad movie because making a bad movie still takes effort. Okay, it might be stupid effort, might be misguided effort. When you watch an Ed Wood movie, you can see the passion. You can see how much he wants to put his vision up there. Yes, it's an idiotic vision. Yes, he is incompetent, but Ed Wood you can you can almost feel the passion in his movies, even something like The Room, you can feel the passion Tommy Wiseau had. Do you feel passion when you see a Transformers movie? No. It, it's not made by anybody who... I, the original material is not Shakespeare. It was made to sell toys, but at least they put the effort into it so that you could tell one character from another just by how they were shaped. 
you can't say that about the movies. You 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 can't say that uh, you can tell any of the humans apart from each other because none of them have characters. The only thing that anyone knows is that Optimus Prime is blue and red, and that's so they can go all the way around and make toys out of it. But nobody cares. What about when it comes to, like, a comedy? Now, obviously, comedy is subjective. What I think is funny does not necessarily translate to what you think is funny. But I think we can all agree, Adam Sandler's not funny. But, at the same time, look at how popular Adam Sandler movies are. And Adam Sandler movies are almost the definition of middle of the road. There's never any dynamic lighting, never dynamic camera angles. It's all lit flatly. There's just straight camera setups, he does his stupid voices, and he leaves. Why is that kind of thing so popular? Because at least, and again, just judging from the trailer and knowing Robert Rodriguez, something like Alita Battle Angel, you look at that and you go, it's at least got style to it. It might be bad. Alien Covenant was terrible, but it had a visual style to it. Transformers The Last Night, Michael Bay, is not a bad director when it comes to visuals and style. Do you even know the name of the guy who makes most of the Adam Sandler movies? I do, but that's because I'm a film fan. Do most of you listening to this even know who Adam Sandler's go-to bland director is? Is that not worse? Yeah, I, I think that all the commentary I need to make is that the best recent movies that he has put out are the ones where he just puts in voice work for You're the animated movie. Transylvania franchise? And, yeah, and then fucks off. The, the less he has to do with his own movies, the better they are. And does anything need, more need to be said about such things? Because I, I, I do I do think it comes down to the audience because there, there there is this weird disconnect. I, you know, maybe this is just the world I float in. I have never met a single person who thinks Melissa McCarthy is the least bit funny. Yet she's one of the top paid comedians in films. And you go, okay. I have never met a person who legitimately thinks, wow, that Adam Sandler movie was drop dead hilarious. But clearly there is. Are we the problem and not the films or the audience technically? Is this a problem within our, not within our stars, but within ourselves? I think the problem is that we don't know enough uh, directors and heads of things because after Adam Sandler was dropped from his uh, multi-picture deal with an actual studio, he was able to get himself a multi-picture deal with Netflix. And, oh, my God, did they make more than the one thing, that that one movie that I I haven't heard even people who generally support Adam Sandler thought was funny. Uh, all those all those people wasting time that they could be using to do anything else. Why why would you spend it making an unfunny western that's a take on serious bloody movie? That I mean that that one also had its detractors, but anybody find the the Adam Sandler uh, western comedy on Netflix funny? No, but then at the same time, there's a weird disconnect when it comes to audiences. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, you know, has got all this Oscar buzz, and I just recently saw it, and it's an amazing movie, and it's also making a f- ton of money. People are loving this. These are the same people who next week go out to are going to go out to see Deadpool two. These are the same people that are going to go out to see Hotel Transylvania 3. And you kind of go, but you liked three billboards. How can you also find Hotel Transylvania funny? Well, they would tell you they have kids. 
or they're babysitting a kid. No, no, no. I'm and they need something that, that everyone can go to. Audience, like the the same person. I I cannot fathom in my brain how a person could love three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, or Shape of Water, and also go Transformers: The Last Night was a lot of fun. Drugs are a hell of a thing. You, you know, you, you've got a movie. Like three billboards. And I'm saying this in a shocked way, but not in a negative way. I'm shocked that movie is hitting the mainstream of the film goers right now. Usually that type of movie is reserved for people like me, people like you, and for the Oscar crowd. You don't usually see a middle-aged mother of three coming out of that going, that was a fantastic film. Every once in a while that the audience will uh, will look at a, a film like that, like Fargo, and they'll feel a need to see it. I, I don't know what it is. If I did, I would be very rich because I'd be able to uh, charge people for my services. Yeah, I I think that part of the reason that they uh, they go to see the stupid movies is because they've they've seen that the heavy thinking movie, and then sometimes they're like, yeah, let, let's let's go watch the stupid thing that is just going to chew two hours of our life. But then, what about when it comes back to the filmmakers and the intentions, Sarah? Something like Transformers The Last Night versus Three Billboards. Do you think the same effort went into Michael Bay going, I'm going to make a fantastic movie here, as Michael McDonough did for Three Billboards, saying, I'm going to make a fantastic movie here? Because you are so far apart on not just quality, but on even the the idea of quality. Is it wrong to dismiss Michael Bay as someone who doesn't care? At the same time, we would highlight somebody like Michael McDonough for Three Billboards as caring so much. Uh, he he cares about shot composition. I wish that he wouldn't put so many cuts into his film. I don't don't want to talk about the actual subject matters of his films because he hasn't made a good one in quite a while. But if he would just take his power of being able to line up shots and be able to focus that for a director who actually wants to make a good movie, that that would be an awesome thing. We would be living in an, in an alternate dimension, but that would be so nice. Do you think someone like Michael Bay could make a crowd-pleasing movie out of something like a Patty Chayefsky script? Do you think, like, if they took a Patty Chayefsky script and gave it to Michael Bay, that it would not be a clusterfuck? Like I said, I acknowledge the fact that I am part of the problem I'm having with all of these middle-of-the-road and bad films. I won't call myself a cinema snob because I, I enjoy lots of exploitation films. I enjoy lots of porno. I enjoy lots of heady films. But at the same time, since I acknowledge my culpability in this, yeah, most of the films that come out are just, they're not made for me. Like, at the date we're recording this, they just released the final trailer for Deadpool 2. It is one of the most shockingly unfunny unappealing trailers I've ever seen. Yet, if I read on the internet, it's got everybody so excited about how goddamn funny this trailer is. So, I acknowledge my disconnect. So, leaving that aside, when you've got something like Cloverfield Paradox that nobody likes, you have to ask yourself, what was the point of this movie then? 
The point was to get it off their books. Okay, no, I'm not talking about the I, final product. What was the point of or something like Cloverfield Paradox? It was originally budgeted at 15 million, and then I don't know all what went wrong, but it went up to 45 million. And if you've seen the movie, there's no way that that was the original last 30 minutes. It feels like a different film takes over in the final act of the movie to the point where you just kind of go, at what point would it have not just been better to take a write-off, a tax write-off, and bury this piece? I mean, what is gained? I'm not talking monetarily. What is gained by even releasing the Cloverfield Paradox when the director is not happy with how it turned out, the studio is not happy with how it turned out, and nobody liked the movie? What's the point then? It, it's not just financial. Sometimes you do have to get the movie out there, even if it's horrible, even if it would be better to take it out back and just bury it, it even if it's a movie that at the beginning of the damn thing you knew it was wrong-headed, but there was an agreement with so-and-so and so-and-so, and then it was also connected to a franchise. You you have to get it out to get past it. I, I'm sorry, it, it sounds so cynical. And it is. The middle-of-the-road movies, the movies that aren't that good, uh, up to the point of being just angrily bad, you know, it, it you get right up to that line. Those movies are generally going to make their budget back, plus some more. So, okay, do you think that every filmmaker out there who goes out and makes some Redbox movie, and, and, and I'm picking on Redbox because if you go to any Redbox, take out the, you know, the couple of big studio films that are out there, and you look at that, and I guarantee you've never heard three quarters of the movies in an average Redbox right now. And even if you rent them, you're never going to remember that movie. Do you think those filmmakers are bad because they cannot make something that's memorable? Or are they trying their damnedest and just swimming upstream and just cannot fight the current? I would like to think that they're trying their damnedest because then there's a chance that they can get better. They can overcome this. They can make a movie that they're proud of because if they've been broken, if they, if they don't care, then it is just sausage. It, it, you can make mo movies that are, uh, are memorable with no budget. I mean, I, I saw that, uh, that really crappy, uh, Sherlock Holmes cheap movie that came out where there was the dinosaurs and there was yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. And I was like, for an asylum movie, I think this is actually kind of neat. It's, it's not as good as a sci-fi movie, which, uh, yeah, that's, that, it's not good, but at least I will remember this. And and how many movies, five, ten times the budget that we've already talked about that go into the theaters and they never go above like on their opening weekend, they're like fifth place. And then they, they settle down to eighth and they make just enough so that uh, you know that they're going to come out with three more of the same, not connected, but they might as well be. Okay. I, I would rather that. I would rather something that I'm at least going to remember. Okay. Now, we have not seen the movie because the trailer just dropped, but because of everything we know about it and how bad the two trailers are, look at something like Solo, a Star Wars story. Is there any chance this movie is going to be good or... As Fred Fritz and I were talking about, is this going to have a huge opening weekend because, you know, it's Star Wars, and then is it going to fucking drop right out of the top ten in week two? Or are people going to have that stupid Birdemic thing where if Solo is as bad as I, I think it is going to be, are people going to love the Solo movie because 
man, this is the worst thing Star Wars has ever had its name attached to, and I've seen both Ewok movies. First off, I saw the second Ewok movie before I ever saw any of the Star Wars movies, and as a little kid, you cry at that movie. You feel for her. Little character that's probably no longer in continuity. And second, it's not that people are going to say, I'm going to go see this because it's bad. I think you forget the, the juggernaut of decades of marketing. People are going to go see this movie, and they're going to see it multiple times, and they're going to see it with their friends. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad, because it's Han Solo, and you have so many people that have a fantasy crush on the character of Han Solo. Because the name Solo is on it, you're going to see all the people who are in their matching t-shirts, where one says, I love you, and the other one says, I know. Because I've already seen them on the street okay. in force. Uh, in force. <laughs> then, then I guess the final question would be like something about like Cloverfield Paradox. Now, when I said nobody was enjoying this movie, I didn't mean that literally. I'm saying maybe 98% of everything I've seen is people hating the movie. Do you think it is simply contrarian when you have something? There are people who defend Alien Covenant as being the best film in the entire Alien franchise. And I'm like, you can't honestly be this stupid. I've seen a couple of reviews that said Cloverfield Paradox is so smart, that's why 98% of people don't like it. And I just kind of, what the f***? movie did you watch is that just contrarian or is there always going to be somebody who legit likes a terrible movie like like the new hellraiser movie there's somebody that is legit going this is a brilliant piece of direct-to-video cinema while the rest of us are going fuck you and i suggest take this episode put it in a little bottle and we wait a year because this happens a lot with the MMOs and the RPGs. People have already invested themselves into, this is going to be amazing. This is a story I love. These are characters I care about. They are not watching the movie in front of them. They're watching the movie they want the movie to be. So it's going to take a little while for them to see what's actually on the screen. It's going to take them watching it and their friend coming into the room and them pointing out, I was like, can you see the makeup on that person? I, I, I thought, you know, that that's supposed to be a gunshot wound, but, you know, I can see the little bit flapping. And then they're like, oh, yeah, this movie isn't as good as I thought. I'm, I'm sad now. I feel like I've been betrayed. Well... Sarah Hanley has not been betrayed by me, at least that she knows about yet. Ooh. Where can people find Sarah Hanley just making her way through the world today with everything she's got? I'm making my way downtown, walking fast. Oh, uh, no. No, I'm a, uh, I do, like a writer said before me, I do not run unless I am chased by wild dogs. But you can find me on Forces of Geek, reviewing comic books. Sometimes they're good, sometimes... I I make the sacrifices for you people. Um I'm working on some literary stuff. Uh when I can give you dates, I will give you dates and uh maybe look forward to something online with pictures on a weekly basis. We do look forward to that. And you're also on 1201beyond.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com, being my curmudgeonly self who doesn't like anything and will probably take a ton of crap over this episode. But, hey, bring it, nerds. It's my opinions. You can contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Don't be middle of the road. Be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the goal. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.